If you want to make the most of 2023, then you have to master the little things. One of the biggest mistakes that people make, and that I finally figured out this year, is they spend so much time setting their goals that they overlook the basic things that impact their life on a daily basis. And don't get me wrong, setting goals for the year is important, and I think there's a time and a place for that. But those goals mean nothing if we can't master the little things that will actually help us achieve them. And there are five things in particular that I think you should focus on if you want to make 2023 your best year yet. Number one, figure out your anti-destinations, Number two, learn to say no. Number three, put your phone down. Number four, stop taking advice. And number five, focus on yourself. We'll start with number one, figuring out your anti-destinations. So you've probably been asked about your five-year plan or where you wanna be 10 years from now. And if you're anything like me, then you probably didn't have a great answer. And I specifically remember being asked where I saw myself in five years during a job interview. And I remember being like, I'm not entirely sure. It depends on whether or not I get this job. Now, I'm a huge advocate for becoming as clear as possible about what you want your life to look like, but I'm an even bigger advocate for taking action. And I think a lot of people spend so much time trying to figure out where they want to end up that they never actually go anywhere. And if you're one of those people, then I think a better approach is rather than trying to decide where you do want to end up, try thinking about where you don't want to end up instead. And I call these places your anti-destinations. And one of the reasons it's so hard to figure out where you want to be in five years is because it's impossible to know whether or not you want to end up somewhere that you've never been before. And that's exactly what you're doing when you're trying to figure out where you want to be in five years or 10 years. Every option you have to consider is hypothetical and it only exists in your imagination. So I think it's easier to, to decide where you don't want to end up because you can leverage your past experiences and say, okay, I've been poor and that sucked, or I've been out of shape and that wasn't fun either. And then what that allows you to do is say, being poor sucked, so I know that I wanna be financially secure, or being out of shape wasn't fun, so I know I wanna be fit and healthy. And you can do this for every facet of your life, your job, your relationships, your hobbies, and so on. And the reason that figuring out your anti-destinations is so powerful is because it allows you to bring real evidence to the table and then use the process of elimination to back into what you ultimately want to know, which is what direction do I want my life to go in and what steps do I need to make sure that that happens? Number two is learn to say no. And I know that sounds simple, but think about how often you do things in your life that you really don't wanna do. And I'm not talking about things like going to the gym or cleaning your room or doing your laundry. I'm talking about things like going out to the bars even though you'd rather stay in or doing favors for other people even though you barely have enough time for yourself. The kinds of things that you end up doing because you're afraid to tell other people no. And I'll be the first to admit that saying yes to things that you'd rather say no to might seem harmless on the surface. And if you've done it long enough, then it's probably started to feel like a necessary part of living life but neither of those things are true. It's not actually harmless because every time you truly wanna say no to something, but you don't, you end up wasting two precious resources, time and energy. And it might seem like a necessary part of living life, but that's only because you've said yes for so long that it's become your default. And the thing is, it's way easier to say yes to something than it is to say no for three reasons. One, fear of missing out. Two, fear of disappointment. And three, fear of conflict. So let's briefly go through these. When it comes to fear of missing out, or FOMO, one way to deal with it is to understand that every decision you make is a trade-off. So saying yes to something that you don't wanna do means saying no to something that you do wanna do. And once you understand that, then you can zoom out and look at your life as a whole and ask yourself, do you want it to be comprised of decisions where you say yes out of fear or no out of conviction? And I think that's a pretty easy answer. Now, when it comes to the fear of disappointment, I think that this is normal. 
It's normal to not want to disappoint other people. But the thing is, what about you? You know, who's looking after your best interests? The reality is, and it's unfortunate, but no one else is going to value your time and energy as much as you do, so you have to protect it fiercely. And plus, the more you drain your own energy, the more you're going to disappoint people in the long run because if your cup is empty, then you have nothing left for yourself, let alone for other people. Now, fear of conflict can be tough because if you're not used to telling people no, then when you do, it can feel like you're rejecting them, which can obviously lead to conflict. But it's helpful to remember that you aren't rejecting the person, you're just rejecting their request. And admittedly, this is something that I still struggle with, but recently I've been leaning on a lesson that I learned from a book called The Courage to be Disliked, which is just an awesome name. And it talks about the fact that it's not our job to worry about how other people interpret what we say or do. It's theirs. And so if someone takes your no as a personal rejection, then assuming you're not an asshole about it, that's on them, not on you. Number three is put your phone down. And this one is super important because your phone causes two major problems. Number one, it takes you out of the real world. And number two, it destroys your focus. So let's talk about a little bit of data. Americans spend an average of almost six hours a day on their phone, and that's outside of work. So that's about 40 hours per week, and half of that time is spent on social media. So if you sleep for eight hours a night, then you're awake for 16 hours a day. And if you spend eight hours at work, then you have eight hours a day to yourself. But if you spend a six hours on your phone, then that means you only have two hours a day to yourself. And that begs the question, what are you sacrificing in real life to look at other people's lives on a screen? Time you could be spending with friends and family or reading a book or exercising or working on a business or a hobby. I mean, regardless of what you're sacrificing specifically, every second that you spend on your phone is real time that could have been spent in the real world. And we all know the feeling when we turn off our phone after going down a TikTok or an Instagram rabbit hole, and we know we should have been spending our time doing something else. And it's a super shitty feeling. And so if you can do less of that, and if you can feel that way less often in the new year, then that'll help you make the most of your time in 2023. But the thing is, it's not just the time you spend on your phone that's problematic. It's also how often you check it. So in America, we check our phones about 96 times per day or once every 10 to 15 minutes. And that may or may not sound crazy to you on its own. It certainly sounds crazy to me. But what you might not know is that it takes us about 24 minutes to regain focus after an interruption, which means that we check our phones so often on an average day that we don't give ourselves a chance to truly focus on whatever we're supposed to be working on. And again, I'll be the first to admit that I struggle with this big time. And I've tried putting limits on the apps that I use the most, but I found that I just hit remind me in 15 minutes so many times that they ended up making no difference. So the best way that I have found to minimize both the time I spend on my phone and the number of times I check it is to make my screen time a widget on my home screen. And that way, every single time I unlock my phone, I see exactly how much time I've spent on it up to that point, which gives me real evidence of how much of the day I've already wasted looking at this device. And I'm telling you, don't take this one for granted just because you hear people say it all the time. I think cliches become cliche for a reason. And if my experience is any indication of what your experience will be like, then I promise you that for every minute you reduce your screen time and every time you think about picking up your phone but you don't, you will notice a disproportionate positive impact in both how you feel and how much you get done. All right, now before we move on, if you're enjoying this video, then please do me a huge favor and take a second to give it a like down below because not only does it go a long way for the algorithm, but it also makes me very happy. So thank you very much and let's move on to number four, which is stop taking advice and start taking action. There are two reasons why this is important. First, 
Realistically, you don't want most people's lives. And second, advice doesn't make progress. So here's the thing. Everyone is going to have an opinion about what you should do with your life. And no matter what you decide to do, there will always be plenty of people who disagree with your decision. But the truth is, most people's advice will simply be projections of their own fears and insecurities disguised as what's best for you. And I truly don't think that they do this maliciously. I think most people genuinely believe that their advice is going to help you because that's what their experience has taught them. But if their life isn't appealing to you or they haven't accomplished what you want to accomplish, then their experiences probably serve as better examples of what you shouldn't do rather than what you should do. And the truth is, even good advice from people whose lives are appealing to you or who have accomplished what you want to accomplish can only go so far. And a lot of people think what they're looking for is advice when in reality they're hoping that someone they talk to will share some magic formula with them so they can find success without making mistakes or doing the hard work. And I know that's true because that's exactly what I did when I was younger. I'd schedule meetings with people who I looked up to and then I'd hammer them with questions. And while I convinced myself what I wanted was advice, what I really wanted was for them to hand me a roadmap that showed me exactly how to get to where they are. But as much as you and I would like other people to give us all the answers, the reality is that there is no substitute for experience. And that secret formula that so many of us are looking for is simply doing the work and growing from our experiences. So be confident in your ability to discern which advice you should take and which advice you should leave. And recognize that you can learn life-changing lessons from every guru in the world, but if you don't apply those lessons to your own life, then you might as well have learned nothing at all. Now, moving on to number five, the final and probably the most important thing to focus on if you want to make 2023 your best year yet is yourself. And I'm a firm believer that the quality of your life can ultimately be boiled down to the quality of your relationships. But unfortunately, I think most people hear that and they overlook the most important relationship they'll ever have, which is their relationship with themselves. And if you think about it, there is no one on planet Earth who you will spend more time with or hear more thoughts from than yourself. But how often do you actually ask yourself what makes you happy? Like, have you ever actually sat down and listed some of the things in your life that make you feel fulfilled or thought about some of your accomplishments and how proud you are of them and how proud you are of yourself for accomplishing them? You know, we're social creatures who thrive on cooperation and we're wired to derive a lot of our value from how much we're able to contribute to the group or the tribe. So we spend a lot of our time looking for external validation from other people, and that's not a bug in our system. That's just a feature of being human. But at the end of the day, everything you experience externally will ultimately be a reflection of your internal state, which is a direct result of the quality of your relationship with yourself. And so if you outsource your opinion of yourself to other people, then whether you have a positive or a negative experience will always depend on your interpretation of what other people think about you, which, by the way, is wrong most of the time anyways. And that's why so many people love posting on social media, because it provides immediate positive feedback in the form of views and likes and comments. But it's also why so many people in my generation and beyond have a harder time sitting alone with their thoughts than they do running a freaking marathon or hopping in a 30 degree cold plunge. <clears throat> anyway, I don't think there's anything wrong with considering other people's feedback, but if you want to have a healthy relationship with yourself and cultivate a positive internal state, then if you're like most people, it's something that you have to actively work on and you have to get to a place where you value your opinion of yourself at least as much, but ideally a little bit more than you value other people's opinion of you. And, uh, in order to do that, you have to focus on yourself, you know, what you value, what you enjoy, and most importantly, who you want to be. 
All right, that's the end of my rant. Thank you all so much for an absolutely incredible year. My favorite part by far of making these videos is that I get to interact with you guys and hear about your journeys and meet new people. And one thing I've learned is that at the end of the day, we're all just trying to do the best we can. And despite what you might see in the news or on social media, really we're in this thing together. So let's continue lifting each other up and let's make the most of 2023. I'm really excited to see what's in store for this channel, but also to see what's in store for all of you guys in the future. If you're new here and you want some more tips about how to make the most of this coming year, then you can check out this video right here. As always, live your life to the fullest and I'll see you guys in the next one.